1: Post Traumatic Stress Disorder is commonly referred to as PTSD. It is a type of anxiety disorder. Some people develop PTSD after experiencing or witnessing a traumatic event and it can make a person feel highly anxious, fearful and disturbed by upsetting thoughts and memories of a traumatic event. What is important to understand is that everyone and anyone at any age can develop PTSD. About 12% of people living in Australia will experience PTSD in their lifetime. And in fact, in Australia, serious car accidents are the leading cause of PTSD. The good news is, with treatment, people with PTSD can make a full recovery. Today we speak with psychiatrist Dr Matthew Samuel at Hollywood Hospital, who specialises in anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, dementia and depression. We're with Dr. Samuel, clinical psychiatrist from Hollywood Hospital, and today we're going to talk about post-traumatic stress disorder. Thanks for joining us today on MediTalk.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much for having me.
1: So what is post-traumatic stress disorder?
0: Well, post-traumatic stress disorder is a major psychiatric um, condition. Uh, It has been around for a long period of time, but we knew with different names. Many, many years ago, it was known as war neurosis. Uh, People called it as um, shell shock syndrome. Mm. The whole idea of post-traumatic stress disorder came into literature after the Vietnam War because the Vietnam War veterans started agitating that they were having problems in terms of um, a lot of psychiatric conditions, which they could not figure out what was going on. So, a whole lot of people came together and um, coined the term post-traumatic stress disorder because it encompassed a lot of symptoms if one has experienced significant um, life stresses such as witnessing a major incident or you know, harm to one's health or one's mm-hmm. life or seeing somebody else's uh, life um, you know, being in harm and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is a confluence of symptoms. So uh, the major symptoms are that people suffer with um, lack of sleep, um, a lot of anxiety symptoms. They will have flashbacks. Um, They will have uh, nightmares. They will find it difficult to calm down. They will feel quite jittery. A lot of people get irritable um, and they can have road uh, rage attacks and things like that. And overall, their functioning will start declining as well. They will have problems at workplace. They will have issues at um, home life, uh, problems with relationships. When you put all those things together and if they have experienced any significant trauma in their life and if we can trace the symptoms to that trauma, Mm. then we call it as a a post-traumatic stress disorder. So it is uh, under the um, psychiatric classification, it comes under the anxiety disorders because the major symptom is anxiety and mood disturbance.
1: If you have a traumatic event, Mm. is it something that you will suffer from the anxiety, PTSD, straight away? Or is it something that maybe you suffered as a child and then you start to get the flashbacks as an adult? And so you might not have had the PTSD as a child, but it starts presenting as an adult?
0: Yeah, look, it's a very interesting question. Uh, There is something called acute uh, stress reaction. So if somebody has experienced uh, a trauma, for example, if you have been involved in a a road traffic accident or Mm. you have been assaulted um, while walking down the street, or you were a subject of a, a home invasion in which your life was threatened, or you have been a, a defense uh, personnel uh, going to the war or have experienced any uh, similar, ex- um, you know, issues with threatened, you know, by one's life, you can have what we call as an acute stress reaction. Now, it's not that all people who experience these things will experience post-traumatic stress disorder. There is a proportion of people who will develop uh, what we call as PTSD. Mm. Uh, Now, people, you know, I mean, the statistics varies, but more than 50 to 60% of the people who experience a traumatic event can develop PTSD that is the um, overall statistics mm. in the general population about 5 to 10% of the people can have PTSD now you talk to me about the childhood experience and what happens uh, in the adulthood mm. now again we see a lot of um, children who have been abused physically mm. emotionally and sexually and who tend to develop um, what we call as complex PTSD. Some of them may not have a diagnosis of PTSD, but they tend to have what we call as a borderline personality disorder in which they tend to have issues with um, their identity, they have problems with uh, frequent self-harm, presenting to the emergency department quite often. Mm. They have issues with the relationships. They have problems with intimacy. Uh, and um, generally, a very chaotic uh, life mm. um, will happen. And uh, we also see what we call as very you know, cumulative PTSD. That's a, again a new term mm. in which, um, for example, uh, in our practice, in my practice, I see a lot of First responders, for example, uh, police officers, ambulance officers, fire service people, park rangers, um, life-saving, you know, surf guards, and you know, people like that. And they may not have one episode, but they may have multiple episodes throughout their life, Mm -hmm. and could lead to PTSD at a very late stage. Um, So, I've seen police officers who have worked for about thirty years as a police officer, and then suddenly they come out and uh, they may not come and tell you that they've got PTSD, but they will say that they have got a lot of anxiety symptoms, they have a lot of depressive symptoms, they struggle in the workplace, tearful episodes, they mm-hmm. suddenly start crying, or they will have problems in you know going to a certain job because they might feel that their uh, past um, trauma gets reignited again. PTSD is a very complicated and complex illness. One can be exposed when, you know, if you are a child, uh, you can experience as a as a adult. Uh, or sometimes we have seen uh, some of the Vietnam War veterans who are coming out now, you know, because they would have survived all these years, but suddenly they are retired mm-hmm. um, and they have nothing else to do and uh, all the past traumas start coming back. Wow. We are also having a, a different wave of people um, who have had PTSD about 35 to 40 years ago, but um, they are in their late 60s to 70s and they're starting to have problems with their memory. And what happens with uh, early dementia is that when the new memories start fading away, the old memories start um, highlighting. Mm. So the things which they uh, buried in their past or in their mind suddenly starts coming back and that start haunting again. So that is another phenomena we are seeing now. So. It can be quite debilitating. It can be quite devastating for a lot of people. So it is very important that we, you know, should identify these symptoms early on. Yes. And uh, if people have got symptoms similar to what I've described, should seek help as soon as possible because the earlier you get identification of the symptoms, the better the treatment can be.
1: Okay. Is the prevalence of PTSD increasing or stable or, I mean, is it something that are we suffering from more and more or is it just being uh, more and more diagnosed?
0: The prevalence is still the same. It is about 5 to 10 percent in general population and uh, in armed. So, for example, ex-service or uh, military veterans, it is about 10 to 12 to 15 percent. So, I think the prevalence has always stayed the same, but we are not, uh, I think we are still behind in terms of identifying um, the right patients or people reluctant to uh, seek help because they think that it is actually quite normal. They Mm -hmm. think that it is not a very nice thing to come out and say that they have got PTSD. Um, And um, so we are in the process of, at Hollywood, where I practice, we have been in the process of educating uh, general practitioners, mm-hmm. educating um, military veteran support organizations, educating general public about uh, the symptoms and signs of PTSD so that um, there is more education about um, these symptoms. We have been through media, through newspapers, television, and various other forums trying to promote the fact that you know these symptoms do present um, very differently Mm. and one has to put all the things together and then see whether the diagnosis is
1: there. So why is it that some people can go through and be in the same trauma Mm. and experience the same traumatic event Mm. and yet one person Mm. have or be diagnosed with PTSD and another may not
0: Excellent question. I think, you know, that's something researchers and scientists have been pondering over for many years. Mm. Um, So there are a lot of um, postulates. One is not entirely sure why um, some people do when they have the same illness that some people develop PTSD and some don't. So it's unfortunate when, when major incidents happen, for example, the September 11th or the Christchurch earthquake tragedy or any other natural calamities have happened. Um, mental health professionals have followed up people for a number of years to see who develops PTSD Mm -hmm. and who does not develop PTSD. We still don't have a conclusive data, but there are um, some factors which points out to the fact that who can potentially uh, get PTSD. So it depends on, so some of the factors we look at are uh, personality structure of a person, uh, what kind of childhood they had, um, you know, whether they come from a a deprived childhood, whether they had a nurturing childhood, you know, it depends on the history of mental illness in their family, it depends on whether they have got issues regarding substance abuse, such Mm. as drinking alcohol or smoking cannabis, uh, or sleep disturbance even before um, the tragedy happened. Uh, It depends on the attachment the person has had with the environment or significant family members, Mm. you know, whether there is any pre-existing brain damage, you know, and that that could probably lead to some of the symptoms. So a lot of uh, factors have been thought to be very prominent. So we look at their past psychiatric history, their past medical history, their family history, Mm. uh, their personal and developmental history, all those things become quite relevant And then we can probably have a a postulate, but again, these are all empirical data. Mm -hmm. Um, So we can say that, you know, well, some of these people can develop um, PTSD. So that is why the argument is whether after an incident, a debriefing is what is necessary or not, because Mm -hmm. the jury is still out there because we don't know how many of the people after an incident will develop PTSD.
1: Yes. And how do you actually diagnose it? Yeah. So if someone is starting to present with these symptoms of anxiety, yeah. uh, it could be having issues with their sleep, they're having starting to have relationship issues at work, at home, in terms of then they go, okay, I need to go and see someone, mm-hmm. whether it is going to their GP, getting mm-hmm. a referral to mm-hmm. see a psychiatrist, someone like yourself who's specialised in this area, how do you then diagnose it?
0: Yeah, it is still um, a clinical diagnosis. We don't have any uh, imaging or we don't have any blood test, So it is purely based on um, interview. So um, I we do Uh, do that interview. So it takes about 45 minutes, the first interview. And then we ask people to fill up a a questionnaire called the CAPS, which is the gold standard, C-A-P-S, CAPS. And it's been accepted all over the world as the gold standard, um, you know, scale. Again, it is number of questions people have to go through. But usually, uh, even if you don't do a CAPS, uh, usually an experienced psychiatrist, and I do have a psychologist uh, here with me as well. uh, Mm -hmm. So so both of us do a combined assessment, uh, so that one does the caps and the other does the clinical interview. Most of the time, uh, by talking to that person, going through the symptoms, we can make know, we can make a diagnosis. Yeah. It is, uh, you know, it is pretty simple and straightforward. Uh, but the difficult part is to get the person across to the rooms. Yeah, and so that's why the, we're we're hoping diagnosis. to talk yeah.
1: openly about it today and yeah. get the message out there that. Um, that it's just someone's loved one, family, friend, and you just don't want to see them suffer. Yeah. And the, yeah. the quicker that they can yeah. seek help and speak to someone, the better. Yeah. Can PTSD coexist with another condition? So, for example, depression or um, social phobia?
0: Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, more than the depression, I think depression and um, other anxiety disorders, again, uh, like I said before, PTSD is a form of anxiety disorder. So it can coexist with a lot of other anxiety disorders and with uh, major depression or even with persistent depression as well, depression which is lasting for many years. The other equally common and very um, you know, very much part and parcel of PTSDs, um, alcohol and, yes. and cannabis use. Uh, and we are also seeing a lot of younger veterans who have been abused, who have been abusing amphetamines, especially mm-hmm. methamphetamine. Mm-hmm. So methamphetamine, um, cannabis use and alcohol. Now, it's not that they all become alcoholic or cannabis, you know, dependent. Uh, I think they uh, people try to self-medicate. Uh, so it's a because, way of yeah. dulling
1: the pain that, and the suffering. Absolutely, yeah. and
0: the chattering which goes through their um, mind, the mind all yeah. the time. Uh, they struggle to sleep, so they somehow want to sleep better. The anxiety need to come down because they can't function otherwise. Um, and um, you know, the problem is that um, you know, whenever they walk around. I've got people who cannot go to a shopping centre. I've got people who cannot go to a public swimming pool uh, because of kids um, screaming and, um, you know, having a good fun. But for them, it is, um, you know... So uh, debilitating. Taking them back to... I've got a veteran who told me that he couldn't drive because he was one of those guys... Who went to iraq and afghanistan and he was exposed to a lot of ieds mm-hmm. the uh, explosive devices which were kept on the road curb so mm-hmm. if they if the car just touches the curb mm-hmm. it just explodes so now this is the guy who has come back to perth but now when he drives around he looks at the curbs oh. and whenever there's a break in the curb he just have to stop the car because he mm-hmm. thinks that if that car touches the curb he's going to Die. he
1: could lose his life yeah, yeah.
0: so people's lives have changed mm. um, if they have been exposed to significant um, you know events like that so so what do they do they yeah, what te- do they, they, they tend to you know um, the easiest option is to go to the bottle shop and mm. drink alcohol yeah uh, and there goes the family life there goes um, the financial you know, financial stability yeah. absolutely there goes the problem with jobs uh, mm. drink driving becomes an issue aggression becomes a problem We see that um, most of the people will go to a GP with alcohol or cannabis use. But then unless the GP Mm. asks the question, why do you use it, Mm. um, the PTSD may not be detected. So
1: then if you address the underlying Mm. condition that's causing you the pain, the suffering, Mm. um, then have you seen in your own practice men, women, lives changing in terms of they get the PTSD managed and can it help their addiction?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So what we do is that uh, we tend to address the addiction first of all because we cannot do any treatment um, unless we address the addiction. So Uh, We want to make sure that they are detoxed, you know, their um, health is restored Mm. because addiction can lead to other problems such as liver failure, uh, heart problems, hypertension, high cholesterol, diabetes, weight gain. Mm. uh, And equally the other major problem men and women with PTSD suffer is sexual dysfunction. Mm. Uh, And alcohol and cannabis or any other substance use makes it even worse. So we want to restore their um, their body, their, so physical, their health. physical health first, yeah. and then we can address the PTSD issues. Yeah. And we have seen that uh, some people's lives have just changed.
1: And have you seen that with your own? Oh, absolutely! Practice? Yeah. Look,
0: otherwise I wouldn't have any hope in uh, yeah. treating those people because um, I've seen people's life changing just like that. Yeah. And And do uh, they
1: often, people think, oh, I wish I'd done it earlier?
0: Absolutely. I can tell you a story of a Vietnam veteran uh, who has been um, a patient of uh, the clinic for many years. He came through us and then we managed to get his uh, PTSD under control. He lost about um, 20 kilos of weight. He stopped drinking. Mm. And the first thing he did was to go home and get rid of his Vietnam memorabilia because he said that doc... When I left Vietnam in 1972, you know, until now, I still did not leave Vietnam. I was still living there, Mm. but now he was able to, so what he did was ordered a skip bin Mm. and put all his memorabilia and anything to do with Vietnam or war, Mm. put it in the bin, cleaned up his wall and put his grandchildren's photo there. Ah. And what he did was to take the first flight to Canberra where his children were and, you know, and spend time mm. uh, with his grandchildren. And he came back one day and he hugged me and said, thank you for, oh. you know, giving my life back. Because for him, that was very powerful. Yeah. Because um, according to him, he was living in the past. He could not enjoy the present. Yes. He was alienating his uh, kids. He was alienating more than his kids, his grandchildren. Mm. And he never knew that, you know, there was more love in the grandchildren than the children, yeah. you know, he could he could give to and that's just one story, and yes. you know, we could tell more and more stories, but people's lives change.
1: And the difference is, is just seeking help.
0: Absolutely. And, and knowing
1: that there's support out there, that yeah. it's no different than if you broke your arm. Yeah. Why would you suffer with a broken arm? I it's know. like, you know, really, you really, you you don't even second question yourself. Yeah. I need to go to a emergency department, I need help, but... We need to get over that. It's just...
0: Absolutely. Unfortunately, we can't see the broken mind. And that's a problem. I mean, if you could have seen the broken mind somewhere... Then people will be getting There's more There's people help. like
1: you out there wanting to serve and take care of them and yeah, and help yeah. them on their journey. Yeah. So, what are the treatments out there for PTSD?
0: Yeah, so there are multi-folds. Uh, you know, there are multi-dimensional treatments. So, um, so medications form part. So, I'm a psychiatrist, so I can prescribe medications, and then we do individual psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. So, so, we have something called. Uh, Cognitive processing therapy or CPT, not CBT, Mm. which is the behavioral uh, therapy. And then there is an equally uh, other treatment such as uh, prolonged exposure in which we actually ask people to expose themselves to to the uh, traumatic events in a very controlled way. It's almost like, um, you know, uh, diffuse, you know, like a controlled explosion of Mm. of you know materials so we again we actually do manage to talk about trauma and uh, the events in a very controlled environment mm. uh, we do have a very effective treatment called the group therapy in which people come together uh, if you are a veteran uh, and if you have served one day in the army then the Department of Veteran Affairs gives you a free uh, treatment at Hollywood.
1: Okay. And that we have
0: about 400 hours of therapy plus individual therapy with the psychologist and also for the family members as well because they are the silent sufferers of mm-hmm. um, you know PTSD. So we give support to them. Uh, we link them up with open arms or all the previous um, the VVCS or the Vietnam Veteran Counseling Services. And then you know we are looking at more and more modern uh, treatments Mm. such as virtual reality is something which is coming up. I saw
1: that in the States, actually. That was incredible.
0: So we uh, are working with the Phoenix Australia in Melbourne, you know, trying to uh, do some virtual reality Mm. as well. So we might be getting at least a couple of cameras. That would be amazing. In in the the near um, short time. Yeah. And then we look at uh, modern medications such as, you know, I mean, we are looking at... Trial of ketamine, we are looking at a trial of medical cannabis. That's yeah, a, that's
1: I was going to ask you about that because yeah. so medical cannabis, but I think what the message I'm getting about treatments is there is so many yeah. wonderful treatments out there. It's just getting yourself into the, Absolutely. Uh, opening up a door, Absolutely. making an appointment to see someone and Absolutely. there's support out there. There's so many treatments yeah. and there's not a one-size-fits-all no, I'd imagine. No, no. So medical marijuana and I know that's uh, medical cannabis, that's, in Australia and available, isn't yeah. it? I think yes, that's if it's right. prescribed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What are some myths about PTSD?
0: The most important thing is uh, a lot of people come and say, "Well, doc, I don't have a PTSD." Mm. You know, it is somebody else has got PTSD, not me, and it's the denial which is the biggest um, you know issue mm. we we find. It cannot happen to me. It has to be somebody else. That it cannot be treated is actually another uh, common um, mistake people think about.
1: And it can. It can be effectively treated. treated. Absolutely.
0: And then the other thing is that you come to uh, see a psychiatrist, uh, we make them zombies, uh, that we walk. Is that around. true? <laughs> I'm yet to see. I've been practicing for 25 years. I'm yet to see a zombie. So I don't know where we can find them. If somebody can point me to the right direction, I'm happy but to go and see them. But that's definitely not
1: the case. That's not the yeah. case.
0: I don't. Uh, you know, we don't. You do didn't that. get into
1: medicine. You do
0: that. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is that you know we give medications which are addictive. You know, there are some medications which are addictive, but if you have to be, you have to be very careful. You know, you get dependent on the medication. That we are, you know, doctors just push medications based on a pharmaceutical company thing. That's That's all not true. All all nonsense. You know, uh, you need to have a very healthy discussion and a healthy relationship with your treating doctor and your GP. You have to have faith in the doctor Mm. because we are in the process of healing people. We are not in the process of keeping people unwell. Mm. Because for us, the joy is not to see people when they are well, that they are off and th- doing things.
1: And the joy is to see more patients like that man yeah, live a life that's full of love and happiness.
0: Absolutely. You know, there's plenty of stories. And I think mm-hmm. most of the stories um, say that, well, I should have done this 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, uh, my message to all the people out there, it is it is better now rather than in 20 years time. Because yes. um, what we don't want is, I think the issue we are having nowadays is that people don't have tolerance anymore. I'm unfortunately seeing a lot of veterans couch surfing because um, they've lost home, they've lost family, mm-hmm. they have lost employment, lost kids and mm-hmm. all because of the fact that they haven't been treated well. Yes. And the Department of Veterans Affairs, especially the military, you know people have changed um, their course of action. So previously you had to serve two years, but now the government has changed rule. Even if you have served one day, you Let's can actually get there. a white card and you can get treatment. Um, for your mental health conditions. And I
1: think another important point is that you don't have to have served in the war to suffer post-traumatic stress disorder. That it actually can affect everyone.
0: Absolutely. And even now, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people who have been abused in the army, uh, with mm. PTSD, so that is again, um, you know, very common, and none of the so a lot of people haven't been to the war. Yes, and we have seen some peacekeeping forces,
1: um, you know, who and, you, in and the first responders, first responders, people, you know, people absolutely. that have chosen careers. In healthcare professions yep. or yep. I've actually, um, when I said uh, to a friend that I was coming to speak with you today, she actually said, oh, my friend uh, suffered PTSD when she had a really traumatic birth.
0: Birth, yeah.
1: And uh, and I had never thought of yeah. that. And
0: We're getting even bank tellers. Uh, no, we had a few yeah. bank tellers who have been, um, you know, put on the knife edge mm. or shown a gun, you know, yeah. and um, so park rangers we are seeing. Um, so It can uh,
1: affect anyone,
0: Anyone, and yeah. even some of the patrol station uh, people who, you know, before yeah. the patrol stations became a bit more um, fortified. I think mm. a lot of people suffered PTSD because of um, robberies and yeah. um, knife attacks. So I think the message is that um, if you have any of the symptoms and if you have witnessed anything in your life, which has significantly changed um, your quality of life, mm. then it is worth talking to the GP yes. and saying whether you have got PTSD. And the yeah. GPs usually, the, most of the GPs are well-trained in mental health and they can um, diagnose it you know, pretty easily. We have been educating them over the last five years at least to get the message across to them very clearly. So
1: Okay. And what one last question. What about for a loved one or a friend yeah. and they've just been diagnosed and often probably feeling quite helpless? What would be your advice to them?
0: Reach out to uh, health professionals, you know, reach out to your GPs. There are a lot of online resources uh, which you can go and search. The best one is Beyond Blue's website. Uh, there is... The Phoenix Australia uh, website, you can actually go and learn about PTSD. Uh, there are PTSD support organisations. So you can even
1: um, ha- get support from other people absolutely. going through the…
0: Things like Soldier own you know, yes. have been excellent.
1: They have been. They're um, an excellent organisation. Yeah, they yeah. do also lots of social outings absolutely. and gatherings absolutely. for first responders.
0: Absolutely. And Bravery Trust is a, another important organization which supports the military, um, you know, people. So there are a number of organizations and there is a lot of blogs. There is a lot of uh, Facebook, yes. you know, communities out there Hel- to um, help Support people. groups. Support yeah. groups are there. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't want to do any of these things, at least go and speak to your GP by saying that, you know, look... loved one is suffering from PTSD I'm actually having problems with managing some of the symptoms and um, And not
1: feel guilty and
0: not feel guilty absolutely and then you can reach out to a psychologist uh, as well because you can get up to 10 sessions under the mental health care plan if you put your hand up people will come and help you yes but unfortunately when you don't put the hand up and when you silently suffer that is when yeah
1: when when there's problems problems. well thank you so much for shedding some light on PTSD with us today
0: thank you, thank you for the opportunity
1: a big thank you to Dr Samuel for giving his time and sharing his knowledge to learn more about Dr Samuel please visit ramseyhealth.com.au and if you need help please speak to your GP or connect with beyondblue.org.au or soldieron.org.au there is support out there so please just reach out You've been listening to Meditalk, a podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You can follow Meditalk podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, please take a minute to subscribe, rate and review this podcast via iTunes or your podcasting app. If you have any health topics you would like to hear discussed, please email them to danae at meditalk.com.au. Thanks for listening.